Break out your wireframes and heat up those Git repos. We're ready to tackle topics ranging from accessibility to front-end design, user experience, and beyond. You're listening to the Drunken UX Podcast with your hosts, Michael Feenan and Aaron Hill. Hey everybody, thanks for joining us. You're listening to the Drunken UX Podcast. Joining us this evening, we have Michelle Schulp. She'll be talking with us about helping build your first WordPress theme. I am your host, Michael Feenan. I'm your other, other host. How you doing, Michael? I'm doing all right. It's uh, I'm, I'm working on my Proton Pack just about every night because I <laughs> am an adult male with no sense of my age. <laughs> that that is probably the best Ghostbusters cosplay outfit I've seen. <laughs> I have to ask though, is the is the hat like this the Stetson hat part of the outfit? No, I just walked into a store recently and went, Okay, I'm a cowboy now. <laughs> That's like and, a real Ralph Wiggum thing to say. <laughs> man, I don't know what to tell you. I put it on, I looked in the mirror and I went, Hey, that doesn't look half bad. Uh <laughs> folks if you're enjoying the drunken ux podcast i want to invite you to come check us out over on twitter or facebook you can find us at slash drunken ux or on instagram at slash drunken ux podcast if you ever want to chat with us about anything and everything we do have a discord server you just uh come by drunkenux.com slash discord and that'll drop you right in outside of that aaron drinks i've got i, I don't i guess it's like a spicy mango margarita sort of um I got some spicy mango lemonade from Trader Joe's, and it's got a nice kick to it. And I got some tequila and some lime juice and ice. It's very good, but every time I drink it, it's like the jalapenos are just like <laughs> on the back of my throat. Jalapenos aren't even that bad. <laughs> it's just it's it's like a kick with the tequila. I think. Uh, let's, I'm drinking uh, a Macallan Twelve. Um, this is the double uh, cask, not the sherry cask. I actually really don't like. The Macallan Sherry Cask, I think it's cloying and uh, overly, like, I don't, there is something about the sherry flavor that Macallan draws into its 12 that is just very mm. off-putting for me. Double Cask, though, is nicer. It's lighter. It's got more of an oaky, kind of honeyed uh, flavor. Little bit of, like, light citrus on the back. I like it a whole lot more. Still expensive for what it is, but m- much more drinkable. Is it more on-putting? Uh, it's a little more on pudding. Um, that's good. I mean, it is what it's it good. is. It's good for your pudding to be it's, properly addressed. It, it's more like I'm just trying to finish bottles and make room on my shelf for something <laughs> new. So I got to get rid of it at some point. <laughs> Michelle's joining us from up in Minnesota and I happen to have seen her cup already. Yeah. And <laughs> it's super fancy. Yeah. Well, so what do you have? I am drinking a Mai Tai out of a tiki cup. I uh, I actually Ooh. got into cocktailing as a hobby over COVID. Not in like the, I'm going to pour some alcohol into a glass because it's COVID <laughs> way, but in the way where I'm actually like reading about the history and the methodology and the technique and I'm taking classes now that we can do things in real life again. Um, oh, that's super awesome. Because I was going to comment that your margarita is actually more just mm. like a tequila sour because you don't have the triple sec in it. Mm-hmm. You just have the, you. the sweet, the citrus, and the booze. So I think I'm all out of triple suck. Fair. I mean, it's, so, I'm yeah. sure it's great, but I was, you know, well actuallying yeah. you to start the episode off. No, no, no. I appreciate it. Today <laughs> I learned. Thank you. Cool. But tiki drinks are some of my favorites because they're just ridiculous. They're usually like mm-hmm. five or six different ingredients, and the garnishing <laughs> is half the fun, so... That's awesome. Mm-hmm. That sounds great. Mm-hmm. Every one of them has either blue curacao or, or Midori, and it's something for bright color. <laughs> yeah, that's super true. 
<laughs> Michelle is uh, joining us, I've mentioned, from Minnesota. She is a designer, developer, and user experience strategist over at MarkTime Media. She's also a WordPress theme developer and a fantastic UX strategist and design advocate. We're really lucky to have her here today because I want to dig into this topic of, hey, we're building a WordPress theme. Tell me how I'm doing it wrong. <laughs> right. We joked earlier, uh, I've been building WordPress sites uh, for a really long time. I want to say I started right around like 1.3 or 1.4, which would have put me, I think, square in 2007. My brain is, uh, I should have looked that up before the show. Long time. Now, I'm very interested in where WordPress is going and how we build things for Gutenberg and React and all of this, but the joke I made was that I have a very old-school approach and old way of thinking about how I structure my WordPress themes. So this will be a fun little chat that will get into you know, a lot of the things that have changed and what's, you know, what's coming and what, what are the right ways to do things now that maybe we didn't do in the please feel free to well actually us about wordpress Uh themes all episode long yes go for it i promise i will (laughs) i'll even use those words it'll be fun like reverse mansplaining oh yes i'm i'm looking forward to just twitter doing that to us quite frankly (laughs) it's uh i i can i i've always said you know i can get things done i'm not going to guarantee i'm going to get them done right but As long as you don't look at the code, I'm I'm building our new Drunken UX site in the open. Anybody can go look at that uh, repo over on GitHub. Um, and so far, nobody has nitpicked me yet. And I don't know if that's just because I'm too small to care about or I'm doing it perfect. <laughs> how how long have you been working on that? A couple months-ish. Right. It's mostly an evening thing it's, at the moment. So it's like, the winter. Yeah, it's, it, was, uh, it was cold when you started. But it's it's definitely one of those things like, you know, my day job is building websites all day and, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. my evening rolls around and it's like I'm I'm making good progress. And when I get on a good run, I really knock out a bunch of stuff. But then I'm like, I'm going to go work on my proton pack for a few hours. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, like, don't look at any of my personal sites because, you know, they are not as cool as the ones I'm building for the people that are paying me. That is for sure. All the cobbler, cobbler <laughs> shoes and all that. Man, exactly. I, literally yeah. what I was going to say. <laughs> Same, to be honest. <laughs> Let's first talk about uh, uh, where all of this comes from. Let's let's start at the start. Um, in terms of you know when when we started writing WordPress themes, you really only needed to know a couple things really well, and that was HTML, CSS, and PHP. And mm-hmm. if you knew those three things, you could get by pretty well. And, and I say PHP and I think one of the metaphors we use a lot is it a metaphor? It's a simile. Uh, it's uh, me- metaphor is used like or as. Um, no, 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 no. Other. It, am I backwards? Sim- Similes used like or as. Like or as. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, metaphors are complicated and beautiful. It. Yeah. yeah well, like jQuery. <laughs> so if this, yeah. I see what yes. you did there. I see what you did there. It's a simile <laughs> wrapped in a metaphor. We, we. This is like jQuery, where a lot of people <laughs> learned JavaScript by learning jQuery, um, mm. and. A lot of people learned PHP by learning how to write WordPress themes. And mm-hmm. so they relied very heavily on the syntax, the hooks, the functions that come with WordPress, but they were writing PHP, even if they didn't mm-hmm. fully grok mm-hmm. and understand that. Um, how today is that different? Oh, goodness. Well, 
It's it's the same and it's also different. So I it's really interesting that you compared it to jQuery because I've actually made the same comparison when I talk about it. I say, you know, WordPress is not only a content management system, it's a PHP framework. Like that's what it mm. is. It has its own set of, you know, abstractions and functions and syntax that is kind of stuck on top of PHP. You could write vanilla PHP and it would work. It just, you know, why would you when you could take advantage of WordPress? So very, very similar thing. Um, yeah, so nowadays you probably do still need to know HTML and CSS and, and WordPress-flavored PHP. Uh, CSS-wise, <laughs> likely, though, you're, you're probably not just writing straight CSS. Like You're probably uh, using some kind of preprocessor or some kind of framework or some kind of library, uh, something to kind of handle some of the more complex stuff. Uh, you're probably writing a lot more JavaScript. So... Uh, in the past, you could get away with maybe a little bit of jQuery if you wanted to do a thing. WordPress comes with jQuery. still does. Um, but nowadays, there's a lot more JavaScript going on. Basically, And not only that, because we have you know, CSS with preprocessors, we have JavaScript, now you've got to start looking at like, tools to be able to compile this stuff. So whether you're using like, uh, something like CodeKit to be able to compile it, or you're using a terminal, a command line tool like Gulp. Uh, so now you've got not, not only... That plus your local environment that you have to have, you know, you might be spinning up something. You might be using. I personally use um, local, which mm. I really love. I've also used ServerPress in the past. So I mean, just saying all that stuff is kind of exhausting, right? It, I feel like there's so much more. I just that took me like three minutes just to describe the things, right? And that that can feel really intimidating if you're just getting started all the tools michael is uh -huh. is local the one you had me set up when i was um... yes i'm okay. i'm a big local fan i originally uh started with the stuff that um wp engine was riding the command line tool that mm. uh, then they bought flywheel and so then mm -hmm. they just kind of absorbed local and and that's kind of the thing now big fan of local um super easy way so that's kind of a good segue into Oh, but before before you segue out, do you Same remember way. back in the um, WordPress one and two in the earlier versions to get WordPress working locally, you had to use WAMP. Oh yeah, if you're on a if you're on a PC. Um, oh yeah. And so, like, you I actually had to set up your own web server, and you had to learn about basic like Apache configuration and stuff to be able to set up. Which WordPress. wasn't terrible, mind you. Like, no, there's no, a lot to bad, be said but... from going through that process. Sure. Uh, yeah, having done local now though, it's it's like wow, this is so much easier. <laughs> new, the new tools definitely make a big difference. Um, mm -hmm. um, and when you spin up a site in local, it's based spinning up a Docker instance that will host. Mm -hmm. um, it spins up a web server for you. It sets up a local domain for you to use. It'll install you know a basic WordPress site and give you access to it. This is fantastic if you are uh, building a site that you know either. If you're editing an existing site, you can pull down a copy of it and install that locally to run on. Or if you're starting from scratch, it gives you a completely vanilla sort of starting point without needing a web host, without needing a server and all of this uh, extra stuff. I really like uh, using Updraft myself um, from a backup standpoint. So if I'm working on an existing site and I want a copy of it, I'll just run Updraft. That'll give me all my assets, plugins, database, everything pull that in, just download it, pull it in locally, and install Updraft in my local site and restore that that database uh, and, and backup file. That gives you something very safe to work on, something very compartmentalized uh, at that point. Is there, is there anything, Michelle, on your end that you like in particular for, for setting that kind of stuff up? 
Yeah, so if I'm developing on a uh, flywheel or a WP Engine site, I mostly just use their deployment tools, especially um, local just went entirely free. Um, they, mm. they got rid of their pro version and now everything's free, which is cool, but I've been a pro customer for a while. And so I could do kind of selective pulls and pushes of data, themes, files, all that stuff, which was really nice. Um, when I wasn't working on a Flywheel or WP Engine site, I used uh, Migrate DB Pro by Delicious Brains. Mm. Um, I'm a big fan of the work they're doing there. They also had some stuff that let you not only um, pull databases, but also themes and media files and plugins and all kinds of stuff. So that was nice, especially if I didn't have FTP access or, or you know, whatever, any, any other kind of uh, uh, version controlling access for files. Um, so and and actually, uh, Delicious Brains uh, Migrate DB Pro is is one of the tools I've been using for a while, and the other tool I've been using for a while, Advanced Custom Fields, uh, just got bought by Delicious Brains. Yeah. So yeah, so there's all sorts of uh, they're doing all sorts of fun developer stuff there. Um, I just though, and this one's magic. I just started using WPMerge.io for oh, data. Oh my gosh, it's magic. It is. Um, live to dev database syncing Ooh. like 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 version controlling and merging and they're editing content on the live site and you're editing content on the dev site and and we can keep track of both of them and merge them that's pretty cool yeah so thinking about like as we get started so okay we get a, a local environment set up whether that's using mm -hmm. docker local anything else setting up your own server you know um Thinking about like the tools to get started with, um, one of my favorites that I've used here for quite a while now, just to like start my basic theme development, is uh, WP Gulp, which just gives me the basic framework for setting up a build process for like my CSS and JavaScript and everything in the WordPress theme directory. Uh, uh, we we should mention probably you know when, when you have these build processes, that's for your assets. It's not for the theme itself so much. Like you don't have to build PHP. That's not a thing. So if you're looking for something like that, don't get confused by some of that terminology. Um, though there are certainly uh, some build tools that will zip it up for you, so that you can deploy your theme. Uh, they'll just zip up all the files and create that for you. But WP Gulp has served me really well, along with just constantly referencing the latest, you know, whatever, 2020 theme, 2021 theme, because that theme that ships with WordPress kind of gives you a good baseline of everything. And so it's a good reference tool. It's a good file structure tool to kind of understand how, like, you know, what what are the best practices? And so I look to them to tell me what they would do um, in those things. What about, uh, do you do a lot in terms of, like parent-child theme work at all? Yeah, so that's kind of how I started, and that's kind of why it's really interesting to look at um, how how all of this is evolving. Because when I started, so I started in 2011, uh, which I'm like, oh, that's not that long ago, but it's it's 10 years ago. 10 years. So yeah, that time passes, weird. Um, <laughs> and when I started in 2011, I was just doing like child themes for parent themes. Like mm -hmm. that was how I was, and even... Even the most basic of child themes, right? Like I was starting out with like just the style.css. And then I was like, okay, let's add some functions. And then I was like, okay, let's add some templates, right? So right. That, was, that was how I got my start in, 
in theme development. Um, nowadays, I uh, do custom development, you know, write, write my own thing. I've kind of written my own starter framework theme, and that's constantly right. evolving. And it's also up on GitHub for people to, you know, look at and pick apart if they want to. Um, <laughs> but my, actually, the, the, I based mine off of, like, a really old version. Uh, this Because I, I did this, like, in 2013. I, I based off a really old version of, like, the Roots Sage framework. I know nowadays they've built this whole, like, tooling process and it's, like, this big thing, but the, the only reason I adopted it is because I thought it was silly to have to write, like, your header and footer call in every single template file, and I really liked their little abstraction of templates, so that's why I did that, but that's a long answer. <laughs> when does it make sense to use a a child theme? Like, how... Well, what is sort of the strategy behind, well, should I make a, a new theme from scratch or should I make a child theme? What's what's that decision-making process? Yeah, well, so in the past, it was like, if you just want to make a few stylistic changes, do a child theme. That being said, when they introduced in the customizer the additional CSS panel, the child theme just for CSS became a little obsolete, right? Because you could just you know, go up into your customizer and put it in there. And even if you have Jetpack installed, you can even write, um, like, preprocessor stuff, and it'll compile it for you. So that's kind of sweet. Um, so I would say it became a child theme was useful if you basically liked the structure and the opinions of your parent theme, but maybe wanted to expand or tweak it. So you wanted to change how a specific template laid out. You wanted to... Um, maybe add some new templates for some new custom post types or something. Um, so it's really like, do I, do I agree with most of the opinions of the parent theme and I just want to expand on that? that that's a pretty good candidate for a child mm. theme, at least historically speaking. Um, if you started to be like, well, uh, this parent theme would be great, but I actually want to rip out all the walls and change all the paint and change everything from carpet to hardwood and add on a second story and finish the basement and throw on a pool. Maybe you should just like build your own house, right? Um, <laughs> and yeah, so that's kind of how I think about, about that. A long time ago in early versions of WordPress, child themes didn't exist yet. And so you had to take a theme that you liked and then you just hack the crap, crap out of it. And then when they release new versions, you just have to like do a manual merge. <laughs> oh, I was just going to say cry silently. Yeah. <laughs> well, if you're at home, you can do it openly. So That's fair. <laughs> there is one more tool that can be a good starting place. Now, I haven't used this, but I've looked at it a few times. Um, and it's kind of an interesting approach to, you know, how you sort of scaffold out a theme. And that's uh, the underscores uh, generator, which is something that automatic uh, has built. I don't know if they own it or what the relationship is there. I've never heard of this and I was looking at it. What is it? Yeah, you can go in, you give it like the, whatever name you want, you know, for your theme. And there's a couple other settings you can go in there and set. And it will pull down the the underscores theme from GitHub and it will slot in your information that you've put in and basically give you a skeleton with all your theme files and everything, and they give you some instructions in terms of, like, how you can search for, like, the under or S uh, uh, namespace and swap that out for your own stuff. It's just a good way, if you aren't familiar with all the files you need to create a WordPress theme and you don't want to make them from scratch, this kind of gives you that sort of boilerplate 
hey, here's all the stuff that makes this go. Um, mm-hmm. Very similar, like, it, it, it's somewhat more vanilla um, to using, like I was saying earlier, like, I go to the 2021 theme a lot, and I grab all that stuff when I need to, and I'll just start changing what I need or replace what I need in, in those cases. Um, it's a kind of a similar thing to that, except what you get is much more vanilla. Um, 2021 is a theme, like it's opinionated, it has design to it and, and all of that. So, um, it's just, like I say, it, it is a starting point, um, if you are new to this and want to get comfortable with all those things, because you can, there are a lot of files, there are a lot of files that could go into making a, uh, a, a site and you don't need all of them. <laughs> That's really mm-hmm. the trick. You go look at 2021 and you see all these files and it's like, well, I don't, you you can make all of them, but a basic WordPress theme needs what? Three files, I think. An index file, a styles.css file, and a functions.php file. Mm-hmm. And if you have those three things, you you can have a WordPress site. Yep, that's true. But it was like, like classically speaking, when you were talking about theme development, like underscores was a big deal. And yeah, underscores is more like a functioning blueprint for a theme whereas i would say 2021 and all the other ones it's more like you know you're walking into an apartment right like it's 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 uh yeah so if you if you installed underscores and didn't do anything to it and kind of tried to run a site on it like it would not look like much of anything (laughs) and you know content would probably display but like you wouldn't be very thrilled with what it looks like um i did want to bring up there is a newer theme framework generator called WP Rig, um, which kind of includes a lot of these things we've been talking about. So um, not just the the framework, but also like a lot of these build processes. Oh. Um, so if you want, if you're starting to do like very modern uh, WordPress theme development where we need 5 million tools that take me three minutes to list, um, WP Rig is a, a really good starting point for that. Very cool. You have to check that out. Uh... I'm always interested, even if I don't use it, it's always fun. Because the thing is, you talk to people, right? And they're like, well, how would you start this? And it's always good to have those kind of things to throw uh, throw at folks. So, yeah, very cool. Let's talk, yeah. let's get into, like, what you do need, right? Um, because that is sort of a, a challenge. I mentioned three files. You need an index file, the styles file, the functions file. But I, I've honestly, I've never counted, uh, what, Probably 40 different files uh, are supported, and technically it's an unlimited number because you can make custom files for every post type you have, uh, every category you have. Like, every one of those can have its own custom deal. There is a page, if you just go to the developer.wordpress.org site, that gives you the what they call the template hierarchy. Mm. Uh, everything, I remember that. Uh, everything will work with <laughs> index.php, presuming you write it so that it works with everything. But there is a specificity order that it will follow. And so before it gets to index.php, it'll look for post.php or single.php. And before, or it'll look for archive.php. Like you've got all these different deals. And the hierarchy will show you how that flows. So fun fact, you know that image that's on that page that shows you what the diagram looks like? I'm the one that made that. Oh, no kidding. Uh-huh. Oh, oh wow. yeah, right. Let, let me follow this uh, this line of questioning for a second because uh, it does raise one, I think, actually very important question about not just theme development, but WordPress development in general. Um, 
I'm one of those folks, I, I tend to not like using plugins where I can write native code because I tend to find most plugins are too big, too robust. They do too much. I need to do a couple things. They, they handle 10 things and all the edge cases because mm. they're trying to accommodate people. Um, and in cases like ACF, I have slowly been coming around to this notion of I can write my own fields. I can write all of that in code and and have it be baked into my stuff. But ACF does save me a lot of time. What What is your sort of philosophy in terms of should people take the time to write those things in native code to understand it? Or is it worth taking that shortcut and just saying, you know what, ACF is robust, it's mature, it's not going anywhere, trust it and use that to shortcut that and focus your effort on the big stuff, the the really important stuff at that point. Sure. Um, so if you're just writing like an, a text input or a basic field, right, I mean, we can we can do that. And if that's the only thing you need it for, one or two things, you know, why why install, you know, a whole framework for that, right? Like that makes total sense to me. It's kind of like if I just need to do something really simple in JavaScript, like why don't I just write some vanilla JavaScript and do it? Like why have a whole framework? You know, mm-hmm. the, right? But but um, if <laughs> Chris, I need to do, but Chris Friend and Andy would like you. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, the thing to keep in mind, and this kind of goes back to the whole UX part of this thing, um, as a UX person, which I I think. Theme developers have a big responsibility in UX, and UX is, is my background, UX, UI, visual design. Um, I'm actually not just designing the experience for the person who's using the website. I mean, I am designing that experience. But you know who else I'm designing for? I'm designing for the content manager. I'm designing for the admin. I'm designing for the person that has to update and maintain this site. Now, one lovely thing about WordPress, the thing that was appealing to me as a as a user experience person, is that their dashboard is fairly thoughtful. It's not perfect, but compared to a lot of other content management systems out there, it's pretty easy to understand. Like, as a content manager, I can find where things are. Um, granted, lots of plugin authors have lots of opinions of where things can go that can make that more complicated, but... That's kind of our, all of our responsibility as, as user experience people. Like we are designing not only the website's user experience, we are designing the content manager's user experience. And what I like about some of these frameworks like Advanced Custom Fields is it made a pretty good content manager user experience too, mm. um, especially when we were starting to do very complicated things. You know, I I made extensive use of their... Uh, repeater fields and their modular fields, like those being able to do some very, very complicated things uh, without having it be very confusing for for the content manager. And um, so that that's kind of what I think about. It's like, I, I don't really think about, I mean, I'm the developer, like, sure, there's things that would be easier or harder for me to do. There's things that would be more fun or less fun or more challenging or less challenging for me to do. But like, my responsibility is to the content manager. And so what is a good experience for them, as well as the end user who's going to see the site? Like, obviously, that's going to be pretty and great. But like, how about how about the admin that's got or, or the, <laughs> the editor that's got to write these posts and it has to figure out how the heck to use the thing, which is also why I don't necessarily like using um, 
a whole bunch like I need to use plugins that I trust. I need to use plugins from people that I know are also being thoughtful about the admin experience because it can get real full real fast, right? There's just a lot going on. Um, and so I only want to use tools that are thinking this way too. Yeah. Um, I'm, yeah. I'm glad that you kind of hit on that because I do think that that's a really important concept. Yeah, I mean, I, I like to joke with my clients. Like, I... I don't want you to call me to update your content. Like, please don't. I want you to be able to do that. I, That's the whole fun of, of like having a content management system. I want to go to the next I, thing, right? I want right, to do the next right? project yeah, now. I, I don't build, need you I want to build something. Me. Yeah, I want you to be able to update your content. That is also why I think uh, the block editor and all of the stuff they're doing in Gutenberg um, is going to take off and it's going to continue to take off because... If you can make your uh, content management experience look as close as possible to what it's going to look like in the end and feel intuitive and involve moving stuff around and like you change the color and there's the color. It's right there. You know, you change the type of thing it is and that's exactly what it's going to look like. Um, you know, that's a very powerful experience for the content manager when it's when it's working properly, when it's not buggy or frustrating. It's. It is still not perfect, um, but but that's really powerful. And like developers and people that have been using WordPress for a while, myself included, um, might complain a little bit about you know the change in tooling and the change in methodology. And like, yeah, we we spent all this time learning you know the the template hierarchy and all this PHP and all this stuff, and now you're telling me that templates are going to become you know block based, and we're going to be writing mostly just like markup and a bunch of JavaScript and like. You know, we're moving all of our all of our uh, theme settings from you know a bunch of add theme support calls to a JSON file. Like, what is this? Like, this isn't is this isn't what I know. But but like, look at the end user when they're like, oh my gosh, like I totally understand how to do this, and and I I know how to edit my content. I know how this works. Like, that's why we're doing it, right? Like. We get so stuck in our own heads, like, to complain about, and I, I yo, that's what Twitter's for. But, like, <laughs> you know, it's real magical for, for, our, for our admins, for our content managers to be able to, like, be empowered to do all this stuff. You know, democratize publishing. That was the point, <laughs> right? Oh, I'm on a soapbox right now. No, no, I love it. I love it. This, <laughs> this I is the one thing I love words. about getting guests on who know their stuff, because it's important <laughs> that people hear that. That was WordPress one and a movable type and all those like self-publishing platforms. <laughs> oh God, movable type. Remember that? Mm -hmm. <laughs> let's uh let's take a second uh and and think about real fast, and, and this can be just sort of a, a lightning round. Let's talk we use these phrase phrases, template tags and hooks. These are things mm -hmm. that WordPress has baked into the system to help you do what you need to do to style your site. And there are a handful of them that some of them are super obvious, but some of them are obvious, but a little more difficult to understand. And so I want to just run through a bunch of them and just see what we mm -hmm. all like in, in that space. One of my favorites, and I'm trying to use it more, but also more intelligently, is the get template part function. That has proven to be very useful when you combine, if you're building a site, so let's use what I'm doing with Drunken UX right now. We have a custom post type called podcast. Every episode goes into the podcast custom post type. So knowing that, when I do queries, when I do, when I pull content, I can do things like find out the post type of a given piece of content, 
And I can use that in something like get template part to build paths dynamically and to say, mm. when you get to this area, think of it like an include. A get template part is just saying, hey, go get this piece of code and put it here. But if I've got like a rotating block of content that might have an episode or a blog post or an advertiser, I can say, go get a bunch of content irrespective of what it is, and then look at what type it is, and then get, you know, block dash post type dot PHP um, dollar sign post type and dynamically grab different template parts. And then I have different PHP files that define what each of those should look like. So I have one query, one loop, one line of code, but using a variable in get template part, because you could use get template part to do very simple stuff, but mm -hmm. using it kind of intelligently with variables makes that really powerful for defining different little pieces of code. That's something I'll throw out there. Um, Aaron, I don't know, have you have you built a lot of WordPress sites um, over the years? I know, I mean, being not, Ruby, that's probably not a fair question. But. Not, <laughs> not recently. Like, I, I would say I started doing WordPress in 2004, 2003, and I did a lot of it for a long time, like a lot of freelance stuff. Um, I think that slowed down a lot in like 2012, 2013. And then I want to say like, whenever we were in like late version four WordPress was the last time I did any real editing. I used WordPress very briefly a couple of years ago before switching to a static site generator. Um, and I, I haven't really, other than the Drunky Do X website, I haven't really used it since. Michelle, you brought up the loop earlier. Um, yep. We've got get posts. But mm -hmm. then people, if they're looking at stuff for the loop, they'll also run into like WP query. Yep. What, how do they distinguish between when they should use those? Because it feels like, right, they, they feel very similar when you look at yep. them and what they do. Um, you pretty much should only be using, I mean, there are, there's almost no reason why you, you need to not use WP query. Um, <laughs> it, I mean, it's, 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 it's kind of like the best case. I mean, a get post is kind of like a bit, a bit, like using that as a theme developer is a bit like legacy, uh, like pretty classic legacy. Hey, um, hey now, WP query. hey now. And, <laughs> hey, yo, look, 10 years also counts as legacy, okay? Like I'm right there with you. Uh, okay, so, um, but no, like, so the loop, um, yeah, so we're, oh, there's just so many things. So to take a step back, we mentioned the term template tags and at, at the beginning we were talking about how, you know, WordPress is a PHP framework basically and template tags, are basically just uh, WordPress's little PHP stuff. They are like little <laughs> abstract functions that WordPress has that represents a whole bunch of queries and SQL stuff that they did for you that you don't have to do, right? So that's what a template tag is, just so that we're using the language people understand. Yes. Um, and the loop is the thing that says, um, hey, what should I display here? Tell me, WordPress. <laughs> and WP query is the thing that says, hey, loop, here's the parameters for the thing. And there's a whole bunch of stuff. Um, it, it may be one of, thing. It may be yeah, a list of things. Exactly. Mm. And now the cool thing about the template hierarchy is each uh, template by default has its own query associated with it. Like you can just like have an archive.php template and you just write your loop you know, mm -hmm. if have posts while have posts the post and then mm -hmm. save the content and it'll just like 
do it, right? Because it's baked into the archive.php template. It just knows what to do. Um, it knows what that means. It means call, you know, call these things and whatever, right? Like it knows what it means. Mm -hmm. um, and then what you can do as a theme developer is either override the native query of a page or something using the hook um, pre-get posts, or you can write custom queries on your own templates or in addition to a template using your own you know, WP query function. Um, and that was convenient. You mentioned hooks before. I wanted to kind of say, what's a hook? <laughs> That's another really confusing thing that it took me a while to understand. But basically, a hook is like some stuff that they baked. Again, this is more of the WordPress as a framework thing. A hook mm -hmm. is basically a spot that they put into the code that says, wait, 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 when we get here, let's run anything else that's referencing this thing, Yeah. right? So like I'll be like like WordPress is like do 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 I'm WordPress and then it's like whole oh, a hook hey themes plugins did any of you want to do anything here yeah no okay um, pre get posts is a hook that runs basically it, modifying modifying the query on on any given page that you're on and so you can you can modify your loop on an archive or and and you just use this you know put some stuff in functions.php write your stuff that modifies hey, just kidding, I want to not show this or on this type of, you know, then you start using your, um, oh gosh, we, just, we go down a rabbit hole. But the point is, um, WP query is very powerful. It's basically the thing that tells you what's supposed to be displaying when. And in combination with uh, the template hierarchy and template parts, uh, you know, that was, that was the magic, man. That was just the magic. And then... Um, yeah. Good hooks. Like if <laughs> ah. you're if you're thinking hooks, so WordPress has gotten really good about if you need to get into a part of the code to do something that like it's I was trying to think of a, a, another good metaphor uh for this um uh, to keep this that 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 uh that horse dead horse going. Um and I was thinking you know when you walk into a restaurant and you say hey uh I I'll do you know Pepsi or Coke and they say well is Coke okay? But that's a bad metaphor. Um, it was funny in my head, but I don't know what to do. Um, but this idea that you can get in to these chunks of code, you're looking for little things like add filter. Add a filter is a function that mm -hmm. WordPress gives us as developers that says, hey, all of these places where you can insert stuff, add filter, name the place, and give us the thing you want to go there. And that gives you the ability to tie in to that mm -hmm. stuff then. So that that's uh, as basic as saying, hey, after the content renders, I want to spit out an advertiser block. And so I'll add a function that will plug an advertiser block in there. I know that because we do that for Drunken UX. When the content comes out and you see our show notes and our links and our transcript, and underneath that is a little advertiser block that's attached via Actually, yeah, hooks, filters, these words are a little uh, interchangeable. Yeah, filter, filters are a special kind of hook that just but modifies yes. content. Mm -hmm. Good way of putting mm -hmm. it. That just, like, modifies content output. Yep. Um, what else? What else? Uh, let's talk about, like, so good ones. You'll see WP head, WP footer. Those just mm -hmm. are chunks of code that are designed to spit stuff out literally in the head and the footer. My favorite of the three, though, is WP body open. 
because it lets you put things in right after the opening body tag. For a long time, that hook didn't exist until pretty recently. The reason it's useful is for things like Tag Manager. Um, Mm. If you use Google, Google Tag Manager, normally you stick that JavaScript in your head but you insert a fallback iframe um, and it's supposed to go as high in your body as you can get it. And so I write myself a little function that spits it out based on a variable and I tie it into WP body open. So I don't write that code directly into the HTML of my theme file. That's cool. It's, yeah. It, it's an optimization that reminds me um, when we were talking, let's, Get template part. We're going to keep coming back to this, apparently. Mm-hmm. Um, and, Michelle, you uh, kick me in the eyeball if I'm being unfair in what I'm about to say, which is don't get too hung up in hierarchy to the extent that if you're sitting here wondering, well, should I use a specific theme file for this or should I use a get template part for this? This will happen a lot when, like, if you have a lot of custom post types and you want one post type to look differently from another one. You can create individual post type template files, or you could make one template file and a lot of get template parts that are variable based on the post type. It's six of one, half a dozen of another. Don't get too spun up on which one is right or wrong. Yep. Uh, no, that's true. The cool thing about WordPress is there's like a million ways to solve the same problem. Yes, yeah. And it's really like what makes sense for this specific iteration. Yeah, I think the way my theme is set up. I have my um, like single and archive uh, theme files as very basic, and they're just saying like get template part, you know, content hyphen get post type, right? And then I do a bunch of template parts that because unless I need to change like the structure of the whole page, like everything, I don't really need to, you know, I can keep my root theme files kind of to a minimum. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Which yeah, no, I totally, I totally. Uh, agree with that and it's also it's also just a matter of like yeah what makes sense to solve this specific problem i want to repeat myself as little as possible so <laughs> i don't want, yeah there, there's a lot of others like we could literally do a whole episode just on tags and hooks and all of that add right. add image size is great for setting up like uh, uh resized images for different uh, uh uploads making sure you're registering your navs and putting your navs in your mm-hmm. template Doing the same with sidebars, register your sidebar, and then insert it with dynamic sidebar. Those are all things. They're all straightforward. There are a million tutorials out there. Um, let's uh, let's get into a slightly more like future-looking topic here because we've talked a lot now about like how blocks are going to start impacting the way we approach this and the way we think about it. Um, first, I want to ask a question. Mm-hmm. Do blocks belong, like, if I'm building a site and I know I'm going to be using custom blocks, do those belong in themes? Um, I do not think that the, like, code to register blocks belongs in themes, because if you change themes, you break your content, right? right. Kind of the, the governing thing about about anything that went into a theme was, like, themes are about structure they're about style they're about what it looks like but like they should it shouldn't break your content to change themes now maybe it won't output pretty maybe like not everything's there but it should all still exist right like it shouldn't be broken so like custom post types custom fields all that stuff should be in a 
plugin. A, a plugin, yeah. But mm-hmm. plugin yeah. development is not hugely different from theme development. No, it's just a I write plugins. separation of concerns, <laughs> right? Yes, correct. Yes. So, so then it, now let's let's say then I want to do block development, but I want to talk about like native blocks, the image block, the paragraph block, mm-hmm. these things. Is there something I can do in my theme in terms of styling those in a way that like is pleasing to me? Yes. Um, well, there's a couple things you can do with native blocks, and there are, they are things that I'm doing a whole lot of right now because I don't want to go too far down the custom block path. Um, you can write um, block templates for your custom post types, which is really cool. Hmm. Um, and this is a, this is a PHP thing. Um, so if you've ever used, let's say, has it, have either of you ever used um, the events calendar? That's like one that I can think of off the top of my head that's doing it. A long it. time ago. <laughs> okay, well nowadays, if you open the events calendar and you open an event and you have enabled the block editor for your events, post type, um, you will open your event and it won't just be a blank block editor with a title and some text. It'll have a whole bunch of blocks already on the page for you. Right. That's a block template. Block template, yes. Um, and I, those definitely belong in themes, because what that is, it's like, here's my opinion of how you should lay stuff out. Um, a so whole other I, uh, rabbit hole, too, for what it's worth. If, if something <laughs> belongs in a custom post type field versus a block template, that, that's, right, that's right. a very yep. funky, that is not the get template part thing. They are not equal. Right, right. So um, I, I, when I build um, custom post types for my clients, I build block templates for those things that give them an idea. Like, there's a lot of complicated layouts, right? Like, what if I intend the page to have a bunch of columns or a gallery or, like, a cover image with stuff and buttons and all? It's like, yeah, I'm not going to ask you to build that every single time, right? Like, I'm going to build you a block template. When you open it up, that stuff's going to be there, and all you got to do is start putting your content in. You can even lock it so that they can't change them. Like, no, you have to have three columns here. Like, yeah. that's what you're doing. Um, or not lock it and let them play with it. Um, but that's one thing you can do as a theme developer with core blocks. Um, mm-hmm. Otherwise, you know, themes should definitely be styling things. That's the whole point of themes. And that's going to continue to be the point of themes even when we move into front ed- uh, full-site editing. Um, the whole point of themes is going to be like, look, we've curated, like, the visual experience for you. Like, this is how we believe colors should be. This is how we believe spacing and padding and typography should be. This is how we believe um, things should relate to each other. This is how we believe different blocks should interact when they're next to each other or children of each other or, you know, all that stuff, right? Like, themes 100% should have this opinion. I think if you want to be, like, real ridiculous, you can even, like, deregister all the block styles and like just do it all in your theme um that is that is a choice it's definitely changing all the time so you probably <laughs> want to make sure you're you're like keeping your theme up to date because they're probably going to add like 40 new things to it that you haven't accounted for yet um but i mean you can do that right and i think that's that's going to be even more important um as things go forward like how can we s- style for the things that wordpress is already giving us or how can we style for some of the stuff you know, maybe maybe as a theme developer, I want to, you know, explicitly support uh, WooCommerce um, and their blocks, right? Like, that's that's how I'm, I'm you know, if I'm, if I'm a commercial theme developer, right, which I'm not. Um, but if I was, you know, that's a differentiator, right? Like, I'm styling for this block library. You know, I didn't build the block library, but boy, am I going to make it look good, you know, that kind of stuff. 
So let's uh, dig into sort of like, okay, we've set up a local environment. We've read up on some basic template tags and hooks and things. We've got our hierarchy in place so we know which files we need. I've even gotten brave and styled a few blocks, and I set up a block template. Hey, I will uh, encourage folks, if you ever want to know about setting up a block template, let me know, because I love the hell out of those. And I've had a lot of fun just writing them, which is stupid, but I love my work, so I, I don't make apologies for that. Um, <laughs> but the the end of all this now is testing. I, I've written a theme. How do I make sure the theme does what it's supposed to do and looks right in all of my various use cases. How do you do that in WordPress? Yeah, so I've certainly used um, the theme unit test content, which is basically just a way of pop, like before you have your real content, maybe populating your, your theme with just like, here's all the stuff. Like yeah. here's something with five columns. Here's something with a weird gallery. Here's something that, you know, here's something with a really long title. And hopefully you know how to do text wrapping. Like, Content that's designed to stress out your theme. You uh, you built the template hierarchy uh, a few years back before all the, the theme unit test stuff came out. I was maintaining a, a deal on GitHub called the WordPress Content Framework, which was Ooh, this. It was that thing. It was just a, a giant XML file that brought in all of every kind of imaginable combination. And then they came out with a theme unit test, and I'm like, oh, <laughs> that was a lot of wasted effort. <laughs> Sorry, please continue. <laughs> yeah, so that's content. Um, I am also running the like WordPress coding standards code sniffer on my stuff through. Uh, yeah, so that's super fun. I do some work. Uh, I do some contract work with Automatic, so I have to like follow strict coding standards. So I'm like, might as right. well have all my stuff follow that. And so that is kind of more of the automated like testing on my code that I'm running in the background. And then I have the content testing on my content to make sure that like when my content manager writes a weird thing, it's not going to break or render funny. Um, so that's, that's basically what I do for my, my workflow. I, I would also recommend certainly bolt on whatever you want. Um, PHP unit can be a great way to test the actual underlying code of your theme. Make sure that it's outputting what you expect it to output and doing what you expect it to do. Um, WordPress, and we'll have some links to stuff in, in the scaffolding and everything that WordPress provides on how to set up PHP unit and what it does and how it functions. A unit test, we talked about testing recently on, on the show. A unit test tests a function, basically. It, it takes a function, it puts stuff into it, and it makes sure that what's out is, is what you expect. Um, but you are fully empowered. I, I mentioned at the very start of the show, like I like tools like WP Gulp. Um, for purposes of the the uh, framework it gives you for JavaScript and CSS and all of that. You can extend things like that, though, because it's all NPM, Node, uh, everything. You can install Cypress. Um, just had Jessica Sachs on talking about Cypress testing for front-end stuff. If you want to use Jest, just install them. NPM install uh, at Cypress slash Cypress. I think it's namespaced. Um, and now you've got Cypress installed. And write your tests, and you can write them against your local environment if you're using local or one of those, or Docker or one of those, and write them to test your local site or write them to test a production site. But testing can take on a lot of forms for this, and it's really, I think, only limited by your imagination, so to speak, in terms of how deep do you want to go. Well, let's let's end on this. We covered a lot of ground, and 
obviously building a theme is going to take effort. It's going to take some research and we didn't cover anywhere near like this was like a 1% sliver of things. Um, Michelle, what advice would you end on? What is your golden nugget? Somebody is trying to build their first WordPress theme. Maybe they've been a, an editor for a while. They've gone in, they've got Bluehost, they installed WordPress, and they installed a canned theme, and they're thinking, I want to do something a little bit more, and I think I need to like modify this or something like that. What would be the golden nugget of, hey, how do I go make my first theme? Yeah, I would say just start doing it and don't be scared. Uh, <laughs> you know, like, but for real, like, it, it seems really scary and overwhelming. And when I started, you know, it I, I didn't understand what I was doing and I just, like, kept poking at it. Um, having a local environment is great. You can, you know, make a copy of it on, on local um, and then just start breaking it. And it's okay if you break it because it's not real, right? It's just your local copy. Um, start by just modifying some CSS, right? If you already know how to do that, you know, uh, start by seeing what happens when you do some stuff in functions.php. If you already know how to do that, you know, look at one of the, the core WordPress themes, like one of the year-based themes, and just, like, open it and look at it and see what it's doing. Like, compare it to the template hierarchy. Like, what are these things, right? Like, what's this? How's this work? What happens if I change this? Like. Also, don't feel like you have to know everything about theme development in order to be useful. Yeah. I have been doing theme development, terrible theme development back in 2011. Barely, you could even call it that, theme development. More like theme poking with stick. But, like, I knew enough about it to be able to do something that was valuable for my client at the time, right? Like, I could do a little thing, and that was perfect, right? I didn't know, I, I didn't even know how the loop worked yet. And I was able to do something that was valuable for a client because I could style the thing that already existed, right? Um, so especially because WordPress is going to keep changing, front-end development's going to keep changing, best practices are going to keep changing. Like, you don't have to know everything in order to know something, right? I don't know everything, and I was just on a podcast talking to everybody, <laughs> right? Like, you know what I mean? But, like... You you can know enough that will add value to somebody, and that's okay. There There is nobody at Microsoft that knows every nook and cranny of Windows at this point. No. And I feel like WordPress is very much the same way. I, I think that's mm. great advice that it you can get overwhelmed if you think you need to know everything about theme development to do it right, and you don't. Um, you need to know what you need to do what you need to do, and that mm -hmm. means not knowing the entire thing because you can't. The amount of time I spend relying on the developer.wordpress.org site and going back and doing exactly what you just said, looking at the 2021 theme and just seeing, hey, how did they do this? And learning from those processes and picking that up, it's there's no finish line to reach. It's a cycle, and you just got to kind of keep keep in it and just figure out what you don't know. And when you reach one of those boundaries, go learn the thing you don't know. Also take care of yourself in the meantime. Like you could get down a rabbit hole of like feeling <laughs> like you always have to learn things what? and like, yeah, no. There are no like, rabbit holes in web development. I don't know what you're talking about. Oh goodness. Well, like, <laughs> so the other thing that I do, obviously I, I do um, all the, I, you know, I have my own business website and personal website, but I also run uh, a, a website project called fitnessandfreelance.com 
which is where I write about basically like how to take care of your physical and mental health as like a independent like tech or creative professional, mm. right? And having done all of the things wrong, um, you know, I want to I want to, you know, advance the whole like, hey, your mental and physical health is also important. So like if it's a matter of staying up super late, feeling like you have to learn every single freaking thing about the latest JavaScript framework, or, you know, sleeping, maybe choose sleeping sometimes. That's that's all I have to say about that. Yeah. Don't don't fall prey to imposter syndrome because no. there's there are none of the developers some of them, yes, are fantastic unicorns that know tons of stuff. They still don't know all of this. So don't ever feel like you have to to chase that rabbit down the hole. Folks, with that, take one deep breath. A second deep breath. Relax for a second and we'll be right back. Michelle, thanks so much for sitting down with us this evening. Luckily, you're central time, so it's not like super late where you are. Um, I really enjoy my life in the central time zone because it's literally the perfect time zone. But I want to <laughs> give you the microphone. No, you don't get to say anything, Aaron, because you Easterners. <laughs> I'm only you, an hour ahead of you. Oh, it makes all the difference in the world. Uh, <laughs> Michelle, take the microphone for a second. Tell folks where they can find you, what you got going on, or anything else you want them to know. Sure, no problem. So I am Mark Time Media, basically everywhere on the internet. Uh, love to talk to people on Twitter, whatever. Hit me up. It's fun. Um, <laughs> I blog occasionally at mynameismichelle.com you can find my business portfolio at marktimemedia.com and I also run a blog about uh, physical and mental health for independent tech and creative professionals at fitnessandfreelance.com would love to see you there um, that's kind of like my my pet project where I, I try to write about things that aren't are more uh, uh, mental and physical health focused rather than tech focused it's kind of nice um, otherwise, I am looking forward to slowly starting to speak at things again. I, I miss yeah. speaking at word camps. Uh, <laughs> I, I, you yeah. know, hopefully, you know, who know who knows if and when we'll be doing stuff in person again. But it was it was super lovely to to be on here. I love sharing with people, and it's it's fun to joke around and be geeks and laugh <laughs> and learn. So thank you. It's fun to be around people, right? Remember that. In the before no. time. <laughs> 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 well, after you're done checking out Michelle's stuff, you should come and check us out at uh, Facebook and Twitter.com slash DrunkenUX and Instagiggle.com slash DrunkenUX podcast. And also come chat with us at DrunkenUX.com slash Discord. And if there's anything we can do to help you out, please let us know. Uh, we, we will answer questions and, and, well, I'll answer questions. Aaron will look at the WordPress stuff and 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 be yeah, confused. I, I I won't I won't be much help. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's I, not fair. You have been looking at the code for the Drunken UX theme and and been trying to give that a fair shake. So Thing, things changed so much with 5.0 and the move to Gutenberg and blocks that I like it's it was a watershed moment in my terms of like my comprehension of WordPress. So I, if you need help with a, if you have an old legacy WordPress site, you need help with it. Like I'm your man. But if it's after 5.0, I don't know if I could help you. <laughs> if you need any help at all, just keep in mind what we had said. Develop the site you need. Don't get overwhelmed by all of the depth and breadth to the functionality and things you can do. But also keep in mind that you're developing for yourself, but you're developing for a front-end user and potentially other editors. Because it's incredibly important to keep your personas close and your users closer. Bye-bye. <laughs> Thanks.